0: Hello and welcome to Runners in Scoring Position. I'm your host, Nate Jones, and with me, as always, is the co host with the most, the master of outlining the show. That is Charlie. How are you doing today, Charlie?
1: I'm doing good. I like the new job title.
0: Yeah. Definitely a
1: resume builder right there. But we have a (laughs) lot to talk about this week. Obviously, the big news of the week is going to be the San Diego Padres signing third baseman Manny Machado to a 10 year, $300 million deal. We're going to break it down and around the horn. And then after the break, we're going to talk about winners and losers of the Manny Machado deal. There are some obvious winners, obvious losers, but then there's some underlying winners and losers. We're going to go over the NL Central standings. Nate and I have been doing this for the past couple weeks. We've been going over the NL standings. And then I believe in two weeks, we'll start going over the AL as next week we'll be in New York. So that's going to be really fun. And then we're also going to talk about a new segment. Uh, we're going to do whoa, and then we're going to do What Ifs. And we're also going to have a featured in-person interview from Johnny B at the end of the show. It's going to be fantastic. I would definitely tune in for that. Nate, since I usually start off, why don't we mix it up this week? Why don't you go ahead with the big news?
0: Sweet. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the San Diego Padres have agreed to terms with third baseman Manny Machado on a 10-year, $300 million deal that will buy you a lot of Tacos, I guess. I don't know what he eats. Um, Machado's contract includes... San Diego does have great tacos, but... Wow, uh, yeah, Machado's okay. contract includes an opt-out after five years. Along with a limited no-trade clause, Machado had a career year in 2018, po- posting a .905 OPS, finishing the season with a two ninety seven average, 37 home runs, and 107 RBIs, and he was the final strikeout in the World Series. Yeah. Uh, the Padres have missed the playoffs... For twelve consecutive seasons and ranked, well, lost my train of thought there. Uh, and and ranked twenty eighth last season in runs per game, three point eight a game. Uh, with the addition of Machado, the Padres will become an under underrated team in the National League. The last position player to start in the All Star Game was late Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn in nineteen ninety eight. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. The Padres have spent four hundred seventy four million in the last two seasons. Eric Cosmer, 8-year, $144 million deal. The deal is pending a physical, but this takes one of the top two free agents off the board. If you had told me at the beginning of all this, Charlie, that Machado would go to San Diego, I'd have laughed for about 30 minutes. Yeah,
1: and I would have laughed with you. But we'll talk about this more later. I don't think this is a great move for either side. Obviously, Machado is getting paid $300 million, but then there's a lot of other interesting facts that you have to consider with this. Manny Machado will be probably playing for a third-place team within five years, ten years. That's even if he lasts you know, his five years because, as Nate mentioned, there is an opt-out after five years, which is huge for Machado and big for the Padres, too, because then if they feel like Machado is underproducing or they don't like him, they can get rid of him after year five. Most likely, it'll be Machado realizing what a mistake he has made and realizing, I need to get to a playoff team. Because this is the exact same scenario he was with the Baltimore Orioles. He was fighting for third place every year in that division because it was the Red Sox and Yankees dominating that AL East. It's going to be the same in the AL, in the NL West, excuse me, because it's going to be the Rockies and Dodgers dominating for those top two spots. Yeah. Again, we'll talk about this more later, but an interesting move and finally gets him off the board. Yep. One year ago... When he signed, that was actually when J.D. Martinez signed with the Red Sox. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Another big free agent superstar, Bryce Harper, has turned down multiple $300 million offers. Phillies, Giants, and Nationals are still in the running. The Padres still have a chance, but the $300 million deal with Machado puts him in an outsider spot. According to my sources, the Phillies are the favorite, and according to some analysts, they're rounding third and headed for home with Bryce Harper deal. And this actually benefits Bryce Harper more than anybody because now he has all the leverage in the world to ask for a new deal. And don't be surprised if he asks for $400 million and gets it. Because when you see Machado getting $300 million, then Bryce Harper is going to say, well, I can do this for your talent. I can do this. And he has all the marketability of a superstar in yeah. Major League Baseball. And he could definitely get $400 million if asked.
0: Yeah, I think this really changes a lot for baseball, Manny Machado's deal, money-wise. A lot of players who are much better than Machado are going to be able to ask for that and Mike Trout. expect it. Mike Trout, Nolan Arenado of the Colorado Rockies, is a much better infielder, in my opinion, than Machado is. He's been He's a perennial gold glover. He's a free agent after this year. The Rockies probably won't be able to offer him this. But some team will, if he says, hey, I want $400 million, $300 million, some team's going to be like, yes, please here you go, here's exactly. our money. Do you think Mike Trout
1: could command or ask for $500 million
0: in the free agency market?
1: And do you think he could get it? If Bryce Harper gets, let's say he doesn't get $400 million, but he gets $350 million for 10 yeah. years. That's $35 a year. Bryce Harper you know, doesn't have as many accolades as Mike Trout, but as we mentioned, he's more marketable because he does you know some more exciting things. But Mike Trout, consistent performer, I believe you know, he's been to multiple all-star games. He could get five hundred million dollars. That's not unrealistic.
0: Yeah, no, I think he he can, he probably will ask for five hundred and some team will. And it would it would be dumb in my opinion if some team were to accept that. He's gonna get it because he is the best player in baseball. But it's so hard to surround a player when you're spending that much on one player. And it's going to be very difficult, especially if it's a team like the Angels, who struggled to surround him with good talent now when he's not being paid that much. So you would hope that if he's in a win now, and I think that's what you look at. When these players are asking for this much money, unless they're going to the Yankees or Red Sox, I don't think this increases their chances of winning a World Series. Because it's really hard to surround yourself with players like... You look at the Red Sox-Yankees, I think those are outliers in this whole situation. Absolutely. And the Dodgers, I think, are in that same boat as well as teams are able to give a lot of money and still compete. You know, the Red Sox are still paying off Pablo Sandoval's contract, and they still won a World Series. They're also paying off Hanley Ramirez at the same time. So those teams are able to take up the big chances with these contracts. If Manny Machado, for some reason, gets injured, whatever, and they still have to pay up until the five years, so he's, you know, a career-ending injury this first year or something like that, or he does something and they still have to pay for the five years, that ruins their team for forever because they don't get that money back. The Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, they'd be fine. So I think if a player wants to win now, take less money, then at the end of your career, ask for that huge amount. But in the prime of your career, it's kind of risky, in my opinion.
1: Well, I think it's also kind of selfish, too, because when you're committing that much money to yourself, the team now has less money to distribute to other resources to build a championship team. With the current assets that the Padres have right now, they will not be able to even contend for an NL West title, nor even an NL championship. Yeah. So with that $300 million now, with Machado, you have to think what's the available payroll left for pitchers, for other veterans, for other young pieces, for all these guys because eventually Luis Urias Jr., Fernando Tatís Jr., who are some of the, you know, the top two prospects for the Padres, yeah. once they start having, you know, seasons and producing, they're going to want big contracts too. And they're not going to be able to pay it because if you already given out 300 million dollars and you're trying to conserve on your payroll, you're going to have to let those guys walk. And so that's a huge mistake for the Padres because those are some of the two best prospects that the Padres have had right now. And it's a double-edged sword that the Padres currently have the best farm system in all of baseball. Yeah. Because eventually, just like those two guys, they're going to come up, they're going to perform, and they're going to want to get paid, and the Padres will be stuck. Yeah. So we'll talk about this more l- later. And then I guess, Nate, you want to go into our third... Around the horn, which is on a sad note.
0: but Yeah, so on a sad note here, so switching gears a bit and around the horn. A former Los Angeles Dodgers starting pitcher, Don Newcomb, passed away at age 92. Newcomb, who who split his time between Major League Baseball and the Negro Leagues, posted a 149-90 record with a 3.56 ERA. Newcomb was an important mentor to younger Dodgers and will surely be missed by both young Dodgers and baseball fans alike. Absolutely, yeah.
1: He did a lot working with diversity with the commissioner's office and did a lot. Um, He was one of the first African-American players, actually, to kind of come up and play in Major League Baseball and really set the standard. So uh, rest in peace, Don Newcomb. This is a new policy that I didn't know about. So Major League Baseball is going to be instituting new policies to combat sign stealing. And I kind of agree with this because this has been a problem in the past couple of years where there have been instances where teams have stolen signs, whether that be from the dugout or someone filming in the crowd and sending it back up to the booth where they're realizing how damaging this is to the game. So according to senior Sports Illustrated writer, Tom Verducci, Major League Baseball is banning non-media cameras from foul pole to foul pole and tightening rules on in-house video. Teams who violate these rules will lose draft picks and international spending money. So that is a fair price to pay for cheating. And I think that's fair because it is happening. They need repercussions for it. And this actually happened with the Red Sox a year ago and commissioner Manfred fined them an undisclosed amount. How much will that be? We, We will never know, but now we know they'll lose draft picks and international spending money, which is big for teams who are, you know, rebuilding and that'll give them no incentive to cheat because they know how valuable the punishment will be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Nate, do you want to talk about the next guy, Bruce Bochi? He's retiring. So I don't have anything really definitively <laughs> written down here, but why don't you just talk about some of your memories and how big of an impact this will be? Yeah.
0: So one big memory, uh, we talked about them last week and maybe even the week before, but the High Desert Mavericks, uh, the former uh, minor league baseball team that resided in my hometown of Andalanto California. I'm actually from Victorville, but they're neighboring towns. And he was actually the first manager for the High Desert Mavericks. And he won a championship uh, in the California League. They didn't win another championship until their final season in 2016. So I think that's pretty cool. They booked ended that. Uh, but Bruce Bochy, he is one of the greatest managers I think we've, I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, three World Series championships. Uh, he's the king of the comeback, in my opinion. He'd win a World Series, have a tough season, win a World Series. He's great at coming back. I And that's probably the reason he didn't get fired after a disappointing last season. Hopefully they ban- bounce back this year. He's a very talented manager. He's great at working with his players. And I feel like he gets the most out of their players. You've got Pablo Sandoval without Bruce Bochy. He wasn't very good. Maybe it was Bruce Bochy the whole time. He'll be missed in baseball. I think it's kind of a great time for him to retire. He has three rings. He doesn't really need much more. He has a memory of winning with the High Desert Mavericks. So what else could a man win?
1: Absolutely. Fun fact about Bruce Bochy, he is just one of eight major leaguers to be born in France. I had no idea he was born in France. Fun fact. So being born in France, he was the first foreign-born manager to reach the World Series in 1998 and the first European-born manager to win the World Series in 2010. And he is the only manager in Major League history to win at least 900 games with two different teams. And that I did not know because he did coach for the Padres from 1995 to 2006, and then from 2007 to 2019, he was a manager for them as well. Minor Leagues, he did have a little bit of a playing career. He played with the Houston Astros from 1978 to 1980, the Mets for one year in 1982, and then the Padres in 1983 to 1987. As Nate said, three-time World Series champion and was the NL Manager of the Year in 1996. Speaking of retirements, this will be our last one before we head to break. New York Yankees lefty C.C. Sabathia is retiring. And this was quite the career for C.C. Sabathia. And if you guys, some of our earlier listeners, we had on former teammate of his, Matt Laporta, for an interview. And that was fun to be able to talk to him. But C.C. Yeah. Sabathia will be retiring six-time All-Star, 2009 World Series champion, won the AL Cy Young Award in 2007 alcs mvp in 2009 and the two-time mlb wins leader in 2009 and 2010 cc sabathia you know signed a seven-year deal with the yankees and for 161 million dollars at that time it was the largest contract ever signed by a pitcher and he led the mlb in wins 2009 2010 as i mentioned earlier and he won the warren spawn award three times And as of February two thousand nineteen, Sabathia is an all-time American League leader in strikeouts and is the active Major League leader in innings pitched and strikeouts.
0: Very cool. As a Red Sox fan, it's happy to see when I'm happy when a Yankee retires, Uh, but he will be missed. And he was a great Indian, and then he was a Brewer for a little bit as well. Um, he's had a great baseball career, and yeah, it would be sad to see him go. It's always sad to see the greats go, but he's probably a Hall of Famer, just waiting. For his time absolutely
1: so we're going to take a break when we come back we are going to break down the winners and losers of the manny machado deal and i'll give you a hint one of them is a winner and a loser so we'll be right back runners in scoring position this is Nathan charles
0: hello and we are back we are the host of the two minute uh runners in scoring position here on uccs radio what a shame i was on a what streak a shame. We we're like two weeks or three weeks straight <sighs> of me not saying <laughs> the two minute drill The funny thing is, it does not go vice versa. It's only for this one. I mean, it's because I did the two minute drill longer. Anyways, we're runners in scoring position. We're talking your baseball news. We know you love to hear about baseball, so that's why you're here. Uh, If you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, we're also on YouTube now. We're all over the place. Uh, Make sure if you get a chance to rate us five stars, it really helps us and it helps people find us. And you're listening to us on the radio, hey, thanks for listening. That's awesome. All right, so we're going to talk about the winners and losers of the Manny Machado deal. We kind of covered different parts of this in Around the Horn because they all kind of connected in some way or the other to Manny Machado. And I think he likes that he is the news cycle for this week. He does seem like one of those guys that loves to hear himself. And that's why Bryce Harper won't announce until later this week, I believe. I uh, Charlie posted on her Twitter account, I do think Bryce Harper was really close. And I think he would have announced before Machado but Machado rushed in with the news, and that's why we haven't gotten it. And the big yet. thing is,
1: Nate and I being big J's, big journalists, we are the first to report the stories, but we also are the first to report when some some information may not be right. I'm not saying the information I put out there with 100% guarantee is incorrect, but I'm just saying it might not be right right away. So just, you know, be careful. We are the leading Colorado springs breaking news sports affiliate so that is something to keep in mind but obviously there are winners and losers of Manny machado's deal on every free agency deal from the beginning of time there were winners and losers so nate why don't you talk about the first winner and then we'll kind of break it down from there
0: well we're talking about dollar dollar bills yo and that's why Manny machado is a big winner here Machado clearly won this deal, getting his request of $300 million, even though most teams probably didn't value him around that after what he showed us last year in the postseason and just different rumors and things like that. And so even though spring training is already a week underway, it shows that if you're a superstar of Machado's caliber, you can still get a deal you want, even though it's extremely late. And I think it's also a reason why he may have gotten his $300 million. Team kind of wants you around all of spring training. It's great to evaluate how you react with mesh other teammates, players. mesh, lineups. Spring training is such a great time for teams to play around. You're seeing it with pitchers. Pitchers try out new pitches all of spring training. If it doesn't work in spring training, you don't bring it into the regular season. And so Machado, you know, requesting $300 million, a lot of teams didn't value him at that. They were trying to work him down a little bit, either in years, different um, things like that. But he got his $300 million. I think it's because he pushed it all the way into spring training. He does not get that before spring training, in my opinion. But he got the money he wanted. He also gets to live in a beautiful place. I don't know if you can beat much more than that. Going from Baltimore to Los Angeles to San Diego. He's really gone from great places to great places. So pretty good for Machado there. And yeah, so another winner. We'll go right down the next winner here is the Cleveland Indians. And if you follow us on Instagram, you already know why uh, we picked them as a winner. You don't know why, but you know we picked them as a winner. Uh, The Indians are underlying winners here. Uh, By Machado not signing with the White Sox, the Indians are clear favorites in the AL Central, with no teams close enough to compete with them, making them poised to make a strong run for the American League pennant. Charlie and I kind of talked about this off the air, but we kind of thought White Sox are a much better team to win the World Series if Machado goes to them instead of the Padres. But we also talked about why he might not have. What are some of your theories why he didn't go to the Indians even though... Uh, go to the White Sox, not the Indians, when they have a much better chance of winning? I think it's just money.
1: Really, I think it's money because the White Sox ownership group could, have, could not have offered Manny Machado $300 million the way their current payroll is structured. The Padres could have. And that's the reason why... He did not go to the White Sox, plain and simple. If I were Manny Machado, I would have picked the White Sox, no doubt about it. Because here's how I was explaining it to Nate off the air. In order to be a successful Major League Baseball team, you need to have a correct balance of young talent and veteran talent. The Padres have a lot of young talent right now. However, the White Sox have both veteran talent and young talent to mix together in order to become a competent team. Now, Manny Machado was offered an eight-year, $240 to $250 million deal by the White Sox. He could have earned up to $320 million with incentives. If you do the math on that, if Manny Machado earned $320 million over eight years, he would be making $40 million a year, which is 10 $10 more million than you would be making with the Padres, plus you wouldn't have to commit to those two years. Yeah. Now, if the White Sox offered an opt-out deal in their contract, I would not be surprised if Manny Machado Manny Machado thought about it and picked the White Sox. Because I feel like he wants that opt-out. Because he doesn't want to be stuck with a losing team like he was stuck with Baltimore for all that time wasting playoff talent. Yep. The Indians, the reason why they're the winners is because by Machado not signing with the White Sox, they don't have any competition in the AL Central. They are perfect and poised to win the AL Central now because the White Sox don't have those pieces. You know, you have Michael Kopech going to be out all of this year. Eloy Jimenez might not be up until mid-April due to the arbitration rules. Mm. And you have some young pieces and some older pieces ready to compete. But by the time Machado turns 27 next year, the White Sox would have enough pieces ready to even dominate the AL Central, if not the AL pennant, because is going to be back. You have young prospects such as Dylan Cease and Luis Alexander Bospe who would be ready to come up and compete, but right now they're just not ready. So this year it would kind of be a wash with Machado, but then next year you would have the pieces ready to compete, players would be coming back off of injury, and you'd be ready. With the Padres, it's they're ready now, but they don't have any veteran talent. They have all these young guys who haven't had any major league experience and now they're going to have major league experience with Manny Machado and that's a lot more pressure. Yeah. Because now you have Machado and you can't mature correctly, so it's win now, win now, win now instead of taking time for development and it's Machado is just wanting to win and you know that could cause a root in the locker room. Yeah. Because Machado's attitude and outlook on the season could be completely different from everybody else and it's unrealistic to think that the Padres are going to win now. It will take time, and even with the pieces they have now, they won't win. They need more pieces. And that's the thing with committing $300 million to this, you are putting yourself in a hole because you're putting all that money to Machado and you're not putting it towards anything else. So not to get off track, but the winner here, Cleveland Indians, strong AL Central favorite now. They don't have any other teams to compete with. Yeah. And, Nate, why don't you talk about the third one before we
0: go to the losers? Yeah, so the third and final winner is baseball in San Diego. Uh, obviously, if you are a football fan, you know the Chargers are no longer in San Diego. So there's no really professional sports, like good professional <laughs> sports in San Diego. And baseball in San Diego is now back thanks to Machado. I think it will really get people engaged in baseball in San Diego once again. Uh, signing Machado and the re- rejuvenation of baseball is back in San Diego, making fans more likely to attend games at beautiful Petco Park. It's a great ballpark you've never been. It's huge. It's very fun to go. I sat in the all-you-can-eat section last time I was there. It's a great experience. Um, it also helps revitalize the youth population, make, making baseball in San Diego enjoyable. I know I have a friend, Justin, who lives in San Diego, and he asked us a question on the show a couple weeks ago, um, asking if the Padres are going to be good anytime soon. This definitely helps, and it pushes up that time frame we gave you last time just a little bit. Uh, We'll see what Machado brings to San Diego. And hopefully, you know, we see more bodies in those seats because if you've ever watched the highlight of a Padres game, it's a pretty empty stadium. And it's a pretty big one, as I mentioned earlier. So hopefully Machado brings those people back to the stadiums. And hopefully, you know, all those sad Charger fans, they have something to get excited about. They've won the better players in baseball on their team in their city. So that'll be exciting. That's
1: right. So now, obviously, to every trade, there are winners and losers. So we'll cover the losers here. The one, the one loser we talked, we teased at the break, a winner and a loser, Manny Machado is a loser in this deal. He made $300 million. Good for him. However, he will be playing three to five years on a team that will likely peak at third place in a strong NL West division. For me, good luck seeing the playoffs because this is the same scenario you had with the Orioles, and we talked about this before. It's the Yankees and Red Sox competing for those top two spots in the AL East, and it's going to be the same in the NL West with the Rockies and Dodgers competing for those top two spots. So in my opinion, Manny Machado is a loser in this deal. Nate, what do you think about Manny Machado being a loser, even though he made that $300 million?
0: I think what we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Cleveland Indians and how they were winners because he didn't go to the White Sox. I think that's the biggest thing there is, obviously, we saw with his effort in the playoffs and the interview he had about his effort and different things like that, I think it's clear he doesn't necessarily want to win. I think he wants to make a lot of money. And that's what we saw with this deal. And it makes him a loser mainly because it makes him less enticing to those other teams. They're going to give you a lot of money. You look at David Price because they think that you can get them a World Series championship. They think they can. you can get them to the next level. Obviously, the Padres took a bet with this because they don't know if he's really into winning. But that's also a win for them as well because they can give him all this money. And if they don't win, he might stay in San Diego if both sides agree to it after five years because eh, I'm making a lot of money and I'm playing baseball. Like That's about it for him. So we'll see what happens in these next five years. But he has a minimum of five years in San Diego, and he's going to be making a lot of money doing that. That's a losing situation because he's never going to be near an NL West title in, my, in our Mm-mm. predictions.
1: Unless something major happens with the Dodgers and Rockies rosters as they are now, the Dodgers is only going to get better. They acquired some prospects in the Puig yep. deal. The Rockies might stumble a little bit if Nolan Arenado decides to leave after next year. I don't see him drastically dropping to third place, though, and the Padres doing exceedingly well. I guess we'll see. I mean, that's the thing with baseball. Manny Machado does have an opt-out after year five. It doesn't mean he'll stay five years. He could stay two or three. The Padres' management would not be happy with that. I don't think anybody in the Padres organization would be happy with that, but it's Manny Machado. You never know what you're going to get, right? (laughs) So we'll see. Another loser in this Chicago White Sox. I can't stress this enough, The White Sox had it in the bag, completely had it in the bag. And I personally think they blew it with the White Sox, with Machado, the White Sox could have been contending every year. Unlike the Padres, they have a strong veteran presence to couple with the plethora of young prospects ready to immediately contribute. So. to kind of retract what I said earlier, the White Sox offered eight years and two hundred and fifty million. And if you added, I would say two years, fifty million to that, Machado would be rocking the White Sox pinstripes come opening day. Now I know it's the same offer as the Padres gave him, but as a baseball player and from a baseball standpoint, you would have to think that Chicago would be the more attractive option. You know Chicago is a larger market in San Diego. There's going to be more attention, even though they're the White Sox, just on Chicago baseball in general. Plus, you have the pieces ready to compete, and you are in a weaker American League division, statistically. I mean, the NL West is probably one of the stronger divisions in the National League, and you'll be fighting for a third-place spot every year, so... And I know the White Sox management was completely surprised by this. <laughs> and I can't blame them because if I were Machado, I would be in Chicago right now. Yep. Nate, what do you think about this if you were Machado?
0: Yeah. I think the White Sox really think that they had Machado in the bag. I remember over winter break there was like there was a picture of Machado rocking a White Sox hat. Like a lot of people thought he was going to end up there because it made the most sense. That's why the Padres And both Harper and Machado, they're so far out of these conversations because it doesn't make sense in a winning capacity. Mm -hmm. Athletes want to win. At least we think they want to win from what we've seen from athletes. They're very competitive people. If you've ever played sports, there's a competitive aspect that's really intriguing with sports. And people want to keep winning. That's why they're spending all this money to try to win. And they thought, you know, the $250 million, That's a lot of money, you know, so close to his deal. Honestly, I think they offered him that because they didn't think anyone else would offer him the actual $300 million. They were wrong. And what we can say for Machado is on his list of priorities, money is a lot higher than winning.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the wrong list of priorities you want to have as a Major League Baseball player. But Machado is not your average, everyday Major League Baseball player. And we have seen that with the playoffs. We've seen that with his interview with Ken Rosenthal saying he's not Johnny Hustle. You know, he doesn't run down the bases that fast. He just doesn't care, which should be a big warning sign. And we talked about this in November when the interview came out to our fellow listeners. But (laughs) our last losers, Philadelphia Phillies and New York Yankees. They really, you know, as much as the White Sox blew it, they blew it too. They could argue for both teams that with the acquisition of Machado, they would be poised to run deep in the playoffs. Now, let's face it, as much as Nate does not like to hear this, the Yankees would have been poised to go deep in the playoffs either way. I mean, they have the roster that's set. They have the prospects ready, so they're set. Machado would just be icing on the cake for them. The Phillies would be fine having Machado play. I would say if Machado went to the Phillies, he'd be playing short because you have Mikel Franco at third, unless you move Machado to third and Mikel Franco to short. That would be you know, a hypothetical discussion. But again, that would be an extra piece just to propel them in a tough NL East because you have the Braves and you have the Nationals with the new acquisition of Patrick Corbin, the lefty from Arizona. Machado would be great. And especially with the addition of JT Real Muto, they would have a ton of power in that lineup. So I think they blew it on that. Again, they might be in the conversation three years from now, five years from now. Who knows? Maybe Machado will opt out and go there or get traded there. We'll see. Yeah. Next, we're going to do an NL Central preview. So if you guys missed it, we talked about the NL West last week. And hindsight 2020, we would have covered the NL West this week because the Padres are in <laughs> the NL West, but that's yep. how it goes. So just a refresher on who's in the NL Central, Milwaukee Brewers, St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, and Pittsburgh Pirates. The Milwaukee Brewers won the division last year after a phenomenal season by Christian Yelich, who yes. frankly came out of nowhere. Yeah. Really. I mean, oh, yeah. and I have a little bit of bias with the Brewers because the A team, Colorado Springs Sky Sox, were the A affiliate for the Brewers. So it was fun seeing a lot of those guys who were in Colorado Springs in late August pitch in the NLDS and NLCS in Miller Park in Milwaukee. So that was fun to see. Yeah, it was. My projected NL central standings, and Nate might disagree on me with this, I say Brewers top spot, Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. Now, for me, the top... The 2, 3, and 4 spot, I think you could honestly go either way. And I did. And I wouldn't say that last year because the Reds had some good pieces, but they just weren't there altogether. Yeah. But now you have Yasiel Puig, you have Alex Wood. So you have a strong rotation, strong prospects in Nick Sensel and Taylor Trammell. Plus you have Eugenio Suarez and Scooter Jeanette, who frankly had their career year last year. And you could argue that they could be you know, in the third spot, because we'll talk about this in a little bit, but the Cubs kind of choked last year. They could have won the NL wildcard game at home. Yep. Blew it. Yeah. And frankly, they could probably beat the Brewers. They just, for some reason, it didn't work. And I think they're missing a dynasty right now because I think the Cubs could have been a dynasty. You have Chris Bryant, you have Wilson Contreras, you have Anthony Rizzo. You could have had Jake Arrieta, who's now a Philly, but you lost him. And so I think... Joe Madden needs to revitalize this team. And, you know, we were talking about Dave Roberts last week being on the hot seat. Joe Madden's on the hot seat. Oh, 100%. He is, you know, the second guy on the hot seat behind Dave Roberts. And we'll see. And the Pirates, I think, are going to be in the cellar again this year. But the Cubs, they need to figure something out. So let's dive right into it. Nate, why don't you take our top, top spot, the Milwaukee Brewers.
0: Awesome. The Milwaukee Brewers, one game away from the World Series last year. Uh, they almost faced off against the Red Sox, but they didn't quite make it as the Dodgers beat them in Game 7. Uh, but coming off an MVP season, Kristen Yelich is poised to lead the Milwaukee Brewers to another postseason berth. However, it won't be as easy as a path uh, with the acquisition of Paul Goldschmidt to the St. Louis Cardinals and Yasiel Puig to the Cincinnati Reds. The duel of Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta will allow for a young rotation. I think the Brewers were very good last year, and I think they're going to be better. I think postseason experience is kind of invaluable when it comes to going to the postseason again. If you've been there before, it's a little easier. You know how it works, especially when your star player has been there before. Uh, Christian Yelich, I think, has a fire lit underneath him. I think he wants to be in the World Series. And I think if they look at it, they think they might have been a better matchup against the Red Sox than the Dodgers were. The Dodgers got their butts handed to them in a lot of ways. And I think the Milwaukee Brewers kind of watch that series and be like, Hey, I think we could have competed a little better against this team and made it a better World Series. I don't know if they thought they could have beat the Red Sox, because the Red Sox arguably were the best best team last season from beginning to end. It's a little tough to beat a team like that. But the Brewers are looking to head to the World Series this year. As I said earlier, it's going to be a little tougher than years past, but I think they have the talent. And when you have a star player like Christian Jelic, it's really hard to beat you, especially when it comes to the eighth, ninth innings.
1: And it's unlikely that Christian Yelich will repeat his season that he had last year. I mean, that was probably one of the statistically best seasons we've seen in a while. Yeah. Not saying, you know, Christian Yelich will have a good season again this year. He'll contend. He'll be able to compete for a gold glove, but that outfield is set. Plus the pitching duo, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. I saw Peralta pitch here in Colorado Springs. And let me tell you, I'm the, Brewers are lucky to have him. I mean, he had electric stuff. He wasn't throwing very hard, but his stuff was electric. His two-seam removed all over the place, change-up, an electric slider. And Brandon Woodruff, frankly, game one starter, and he just casually threw 98. Just casually. I wish I could casually throw 98. That's a different story. though. (laughs) uh, Good. And so we'll talk about the St. Louis Cardinals now. So when I was making this last night, originally I did Cubs, then Cardinals. Okay. But then the more I thought about it, I bumped the Cardinals up. And so 86 and 76 this year, which I think is a respectable record. Yeah. With the acquisition of Paul Goldschmidt, that is huge for them now because they have their first base slot filled and they can move Harrison Bader to the outfield because he was playing first. Yep. So now you're going to have Paul Goldschmidt and you kept Jack Flaherty in that deal, which was huge because Jack Flaherty is a young righty for the Cardinals And he just signed an extension. But that could have easily been a trade piece for the Diamondbacks. Getting rid of Jack Flaherty would have been a deal breaker, I believe, for the Cardinals. Losing Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly, who would likely, you know, take over Yadier Molina's spot as catcher when he retires. That hurts, too. But Goldschmidt outweighs that. And they can draft another catcher. And pitching is stacked, frankly, in the minor leagues they have. Dakota Hudson just to name one and they, you know, Alex Reyes who's already up in St. Louis, but they have enough pitching. So, I put them at the two spot because frankly, I think the Cardinals are going to bounce back.
0: Last yeah. year wasn't a
1: great year for the Cardinals. They didn't do too hot and frankly, all the teams besides the Brewers didn't do too hot last year. You know, usually you have a tight race for that first and second spot and Yeah. Just it didn't happen. So, we'll see. Uh, I Cardinals second spot, but I think you could also mix it with the Cubs. Speaking of the Cubs, Nate, why don't you take us away with that preview?
0: Yeah, so the Chicago Cubs, and this is one team, sometimes you look at teams in the preseason, and they could either be a World Series team or a team that is at the bottom of their division. And sometimes you have teams that could honestly do both if some things happen. And as we talked about Joe Madden being on the hot seat for the Chicago Cubs, I think this is part of the reason why They'll either be really great, and they could even compete with the Brewers for the number one spot, or they could be at the bottom, and the Pittsburgh Pirates could finish above them. And I think that's something that why his third-place ranking is kind of perfect for this team, because honestly, they are in the middle when you look at them in a lot of ways. And I think you have to look at a lot of it for Joe Madden. They have a lot of talent, but the decisions he makes, and along with how his players end up playing this season... It could be very difficult for them to compete against their teams. And like Charlie mentioned, they should have beaten the Brewers in that wild card game. No one knows why they lost that game at home. It made no sense. The game was... It just did not go the way it should have gone. So we'll see what ends up happening with the Chicago Cubs. But I think a lot depends on how Joe Madden changes things up this season. What he does in spring training in the first month of the season will be big for this team? Because, honestly, this team has a talent to be in the World Series. A lot of people Absolutely. kind of predicted them to be there instead of the Dodgers. They're like, oh, they're going to make a little run in these playoffs and meet the Red Sox or a different American League team in the World Series. But they didn't, and so that's a big thing coming this season. How good are they going to be? It's, they're a big question mark here. So I'm interested to see if Joe Madden shows how good of a manager is or if he shows that he's just kind of middle of the road.
1: Yeah, and I think Chris Bryant needs to
0: step it up, too.
1: He only hit 13 home runs last year, and he did not perform very well. I believe he only played in 102 games, which was atypical from him. He was averaging 150, 160 games a year, and that 102 didn't help either. I know he had some injuries, but you need to capitalize on your opportunities, and frankly, he did not. So, Cubs, I would say out of any team in the NL Central, maybe the National League as a whole, the Cubs are a team to watch this year because this is a make-or-break year with the Cubs. Reds, they have time because trade last year, they got a new manager, so they have time to rebuild. Cardinals, new pieces, so they have time. Milwaukee Brewers are still riding high. The Pirates need some more time, but Cubs, this is their time now. They need to compete, and frankly, they're not competing. Though we'll go into our fourth place, Cincinnati Reds. I projected them at 79 and 83 this year, which I think is a respectable mark. If the Reds were in any other division, Nate, this team would be poised to compete. They have all the pieces ready. They got Junio Suarez, as I mentioned earlier. You have young prospects, you have Puig. And Puig was frankly stuck in Los Angeles. You know, I don't think he fit well in Los Angeles. You know, similar to Matt Harvey in New York. Matt Harvey didn't fit well in New York. And you saw once he went to Cincinnati. He did a lot better, and now he's in Los Angeles. It's not the Dodgers, but it's the Angels, so it's going to be a little more low key. Yep. Puig, frankly, will get a break because the Cincinnati media will not be as on him as much as the Los Angeles media will be. All eyes on the Dodgers, and you know, show Magic Showtime Johnson running the <laughs> town there. So it'll be yeah. it'll be nicer for Puig, and I think he'll do a lot better this year. I think so. That's too. for sure. Uh, Nate, why don't we talk about last team, and then we'll go to break.
0: Yeah, so last team, there's nothing wrong with them. They are just in a very tough division. And you looked at this, like, you can look at the Rays last year in the American League East. They did nothing wrong. They were a very good team. But they were in a very tough division. The the four teams we mentioned before, I think, honestly, if things go the right way, you could see them coming out of this division. The Pittsburgh Pirates are not one of those teams. Uh But they're not a bad team. Uh, Chris Archer is on the hill. They'll surprise a few fans, but not enough to shake up the standings. They're a team that you're looking at next year, the whole season. You're seeing who's in the AAA, who has a chance to be a big impact player next year, and who's they can get in free agency next year. They're one of those teams, you see them every once in a while, and sometimes in other sports where they're not necessarily good, but they'll beat good teams every once in a while, especially when Chris Archer's on the hill. They'll have a really good chance of competing with the better teams in their division and in the rest of the league.
1: And I think Pittsburgh sorta of lost their identity once Andrew McCutcheon left. I think that was a big part because Andrew McCutcheon, once you so when you talked about the Pittsburgh Pirates, you associated Andrew McCutcheon. And same with Garrett Cole. Pittsburgh Pirates, Garrett Cole, and then once he got shipped to Houston, you know, that completely changed the baseball culture that they do have some young prospects who will be Maybe ready this year if Pirates are struggling that bad and they need to call up reinforcements. You have shortstop Kevin Newman. You got first base Will Craig. You have some other guys who are ready to compete. But, again, this is kind of like the Padres. A lot of young pieces, not a lot of old guys to balance them out. So they won't do well this year. That's, frankly, I don't know what else to say besides Pirates. Tough division. You know, you have four other teams that could easily go 500. I mean, I... You know, I said Reds going 79 and 83. They could easily win another two games. Yeah. I mean, frankly, all of these guys could win another two
0: (laughs) games. Yeah. So
1: we'll see. We're going to head to break. We're going to debut a new segment. And, folks, it's a fun segment because this guy is fun. So we'll be right back. Runners in scoring position
0: after the break. Hello, and we are back. We are the hosts of Runners in Scoring Position. Thank you so much for waiting for us. Uh, we had to do some stretches and other Absolutely. things like that. Uh, so Charlie is going to introduce our new segment, The Odd Life of Trevor Bauer.
1: Odd Life of Trevor Bauer. And we are a well-rounded podcast. So not only sports, we know about movies. So obviously, this was a play on The Odd Life of Timothy Green, which was a movie. And The Odd Life of Trevor Bauer, because... Folks, if you're a baseball fan, you know that Trevor Bauer is kind of odd. Um, a couple instances where he cut his pinky on a drone right before the playoffs and then he pitched in the playoffs and it started bleeding. Um, the other point where he called his arbitration with the Indians a character assassination because the Indians didn't like that he donated to charity. And now this, and I can't make this up, and we're not making this up for content. SI published an article about Trevor Bauer's dating life. Folks, if you want to date Trevor Bauer, here are the three rules that you have to follow. One, no feelings. As soon as he senses that you're developing feelings for him, he doesn't want that, Nate. Okay, he's going to cut it off because he's not interested in a relationship and he's emotionally unavailable, which, if you've seen Trevor Bauer in person, yes, he is very emotionally unavailable. Two, No social media posts about me while we're together because private life stays private. That I understand. That's fair. That's a fair point. Uh, Three, let's just say he doesn't want to just see you. He wants to see other people. And if you're not okay with that, then that's fine. Quote, we can just be perfectly polite platonic friends. I don't know if there's any discussion needed about that. So let's just go to the next segment. Sweet. What if? Now, this is a question been asked... All the time in daily life, baseball, basketball. Doesn't matter. What ifs are part of life. We're going to do baseball-themed what ifs. Nate, why don't you start with the first one? Because this is one close to you.
0: This relates to both of us, actually. I kind of would change both of our fandoms a little bit. Uh, David Ortiz, if he was never traded from the Red Sox and stayed a twin. So traded to the Red Sox and stayed a twin. Correct. So I I think I've spoken on this before. I don't think he becomes as good of a baseball player. Right. That's my biggest thing is I think he kind of stays what he was as a twin, a sometimes deep threat hitter. Other than that, nothing. What happened in 2004, and especially in that ALCS, was magical and propelled his career and made him the legend he is in Red Sox history. Other than that, he just kind of stays where he was. He might have popped down to Triple a couple more times as a twin, popped back up. He stays in the league max till 2007. I, I, be, I totally agree with that. Um, David Ortiz,
1: you know, if the Twins had the right development and kept him, the Twins probably would have won a championship because David Ortiz was a phenomenal player. But I agree with Nate. You know, I don't think he would have developed the same way. And I don't think, you know, he would have had the same progression. But now, this is an interesting scenario to think about. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, what if he stuck with baseball as a second baseman slash shortstop and kept progressing through the Colorado Rockies system? Now, that's interesting because Russell Wilson, as many of you may know, uh, was drafted by the Rockies and then was traded to the Rangers and then was traded to the Yankees. So technically, the Yankees do have rights for him, and he actually is going to spring training this year just for fun. Yep. But imagine if imagine that infield if Nolan Arenado was in there, Tulo, Russell Wilson, and Todd Helton. That would be a phenomenal infield. I mean, that would be really fun to watch. And Chris Eindetta at catcher. Maybe they would have won that two thousand seven World Series if you know Russell Wilson was a little older and progressed through the system a little faster. But that's okay. Nate, why don't you talk about the third one?
0: Yeah, so there's one. We're going back to football just a little bit here uh, with both Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, but quarterback Tom Brady was Montre- Montreal Expo slash Washington Nationals a center fielder. Uh, Tom Brady, so what if he had stayed in baseball? I never read much about him as a baseball player, so I doubt he makes it to the major leagues, and you I doubt know. it yeah. affects much, but you never know. He's a competitor. He was a sixth round draft pick, became one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time so obviously he seems like the kind of person that develops his craft when no one expects him to so he could have done really well in the minor league system gone to the major league but i don't think he becomes the greatest of all time so exactly imagine yeah tom brady as a catcher that would be phenomenal but then again what about
1: if he stuck with baseball Patriots would not be the dynasty they are today. Oh, yeah. They would have yeah. Drew Bledsoe as a quarterback <laughs> still. Yeah. Maybe Jimmy G would be in there now. But yeah. you know, I mean, this is the point of the segment, right? We're just thinking about what would have happened. And imagine the Seahawks, they probably wouldn't have had that championship if Russell Wilson was a baseball player. They oh, yeah. Matt Hasselback would have retired and you would have to figure out a quarterback situation from there. Yeah. So this is a next next one that I was thinking about, and there would be a lot of repercussions in this. Imagine if Kirby Puckett didn't lose his eyesight in 1996. Huge. He had some sort of macular degeneration in his eye Hmm. where he woke up and he was in off-season in Phoenix. It was glaucoma. And he woke up March 28, 1996 without vision in his right eye and was put on the disabled list for the first time in his career. He had surgeries over the next few months, but the vision couldn't be restored. And he announced his retirement July 12th, 1996 at the age of 36. And he unfortunately died less than 10 years later. He died, you know, a 45th birthday. And it was sad. I mean, he had a stroke at his home in Phoenix. He underwent emergency surgery, but unfortunately it did not work. And he was in some trouble with the law. But imagine if he didn't lose that eyesight. I mean, 35 is not that old, Major League Baseball. It is the tail end of your career, but it's not that old. Yeah. So, we'll see. I mean, maybe it could have been another division title. Maybe even a, AL, you know, American League pennant. Maybe a World Series title. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never know. So, yeah. Nate, take the next one
0: here. Uh, if Ted Williams never served in the military... This one, it only took up a little bit of time of his playing career, so I don't think it would have been the biggest impact. But I think he could have racked up a couple more records, definitely more hits. But he is considered the best hitter of all time by some baseball experts. So I don't think it changes too much. Um, Maybe the Red Sox compete in those years a little more than they would have um, without him. I I think that's the biggest thing. Obviously, the Red Sox did not win a World Series Anywhere near his time with the Red Sox, so there's really no what ifs there. And I don't think in those times they were necessarily in the talks of winning the World Series. So, but I think he would have, he would be, I would say, the best hitter of all time. He is
1: considered by some to be the best hitter, but if he didn't go into the military, he would be the best hitter of all time. Absolutely. Next one. If there was no Steve Bartman incident in 2003, now that's something to think about because Steve Bartman obviously was known for that game. Cubs, Marlins, Mark Pryor was on the mound and one of the Marlins batters who I'm blanking on right now hit a foul ball left field. Moises Alou going over to retrieve it, retrieve it, retrieve it. About to catch it and Steve Bartman reaches his hand out. And now it's not as big of a deal since the Cubs do have a World Series under their belt. But for a while there, it was the curse of Steve Bartman, and he had to go radio silent in Chicago, and he still is radio silent yeah. in Chicago. No one knows what he's doing. No one knows where he is. It's basically, in the witness protection program, I mean, yeah. really. And the Cubs reached out to him and asked him, "Would you want to come out? You know, the World Series parade in two thousand sixteen. He just said, "No way," which I think was the right move. Yeah. I mean, really, because there are some bitter fans still from two thousand three, who would be upset and maybe try to harm him. Hopefully, not, but. That would have happened and yeah, I mean, if there was no Steve Bartman incident in two thousand three, the Cubs probably would have won the World Series that year. They were poised to compete that year, you know, Mark Pryor being one of the better pitchers. You know, has been considered by some to be kind of a bust for a first overall pick. Yeah. But still has done pretty decently. And then yeah, I mean, no Steve Bartman incident, no foul ball. Cubs would have maintained momentum, won that series, and potentially you know, became 2003 World Series champs. You
0: know? Yeah. And I think his life looks a little different too. Absolutely. He has yeah, a normal know. life. Oh yeah. You don't have to
1: worry about where you're going all the time.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's rough. And there's a lot, you know, there's different documentaries on this incident. It's really sad to look at what happened to his life. It was the like moment thing. Like obviously it might not have been the right thing to do, but how his life turned upside down because of that is kind of sad. He was a huge baseball fan. And I doubt if he loves baseball even close to as much because what baseball now reminds him of is how his life changed because of that incident. So, yeah, it's a big thing. All right, the next what if. If Pete Rose never bet on baseball. Well, the biggest thing, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. He wouldn't be disgraced. He'd be the hit king. He'd be the hit king, for sure. Even though it's kind of weird saying just because a guy bet on baseball. There's different things like that, but he would be celebrated as well. I remember I was in Las Vegas with my family and there was a guy selling, uh, signing trading cards. And I was like, oh, you know, I was kind of young. And I was like, who was it? Because I didn't recognize him. And it was Pete Rose. And he was charging uh, $500 um, to get, if you wanted to buy a card there, it was an extra $1,000, so $1,500 um, to have a guy who's disgraced by baseball. But it was definitely an interesting moment of like, I think he would be celebrated. He'd be at all these different events. I think it really ruined how he's viewed at baseball. He's still a great baseball player. You can still look at him and see how wonderful he was. But it definitely tarnished how we can celebrate Pete Rose after his career.
1: And I think Pete Rose would be in the Hall of Fame today because Rob Manfred you know, reached out to Pete Rose and talked about him. But unfortunately, Pete Rose is still gambling. And this is it is still a problem, you know, perhaps an addiction. And and now I feel like it's unfair for Pete Rose because at the time, horrible to bet on baseball. You would never do that, especially when you're a manager and you're setting the lineups and you're, you know, betting. And the rumor has it with Pete Rose is he never bet against the Reds and the Phillies. That's the rumor. However, I feel like it's unfair for Pete Rose right now because sports gambling and sports betting is all over the United States now. I mean, congressionally, it was just ruled over all the 50 states. And now it's, you know, becoming enacted, and it's a huge part of professional baseball. If Pete Rose is inducted into the Hall of Fame, Nate, I think it will be posthumously, because I don't feel like Manfred or whoever the new commissioner will be will want to give the satisfaction of Pete Rose getting into the Hall of Fame. As sad as that sounds, I feel like that's the only way it would go. I don't know how else you would do that. I mean, Pete Rose obviously, you know, hit 4,256 hits. So very talented and obviously a Hall of Famer. I mean, the big red machine back in the day with, you know, you have, let's see, let's see if I can name all of them. You have Pete Rose, Dave Concepcion, you have Joe Morgan, Tony Perez, blanking on the last one, but for sure those guys be, oh, Johnny Bench. So Johnny Bench. And I mean, that would be a great Reds team and hopefully he would, make it to the Hall of Fame. But. Now, this one, Nate, is kind of a more conceptual idea. This is one where we kind of have to change the course of history a little bit. Yeah, changes the line. <laughs> if the color barrier never existed in baseball, well, for starters, if the color barrier never existed in baseball, there would be no Negro Leagues and no Major League Baseball. or Excuse me. There would be no separation between the Negro Leagues and Major League Baseball. There would be a lot of talented players in the Negro Leagues who would be up in Major League Baseball and would be in the Hall of Fame. Really? Josh Gibson, one of the most talented players in the Negro that the Negro Leagues have ever seen, yep. never got the chance to play Major League Baseball because he was African American. Um, Satchel Paige, fortunately, got to play Major League Baseball. Jackie Robinson, another big example, but then there's so many other guys who you know just aren't popular or well known because they never played Major League Baseball. But they play in the Negro Leagues. Yeah. So that is something to keep in mind. But
0: we'll see. I don't know, Nate. What do you think about this? I think baseball would have developed faster. Absolutely. So it's not to say that, you know, one league was better than the others. But the Negro League was different. They played baseball a little differently. And a lot of things that you saw happen to baseball when the color barrier was broken was this different type of baseball. And then it developed in the whole league. I think baseball looks very different. I think you see different heroes. And the reason why Jackie Robinson is such a huge hero is because of breaking that color barrier. He would have been able to bend in Major League Baseball normally. Uh, So obviously it would change, like, Jackie Robinson day. It would change the number 42, you know, mortalized in all of baseball. So I think a lot of that is because of the color barrier. So it would have been interesting to see, like, you know, would the players who were so good in a divided league be just as good? You know, the pitching was obviously different. Um, they did things a little differently. And I think it would have been fascinating for baseball. And the baseball we watch today might even be more different because it would have gone through different evolution stages than it did now. So I think yeah. that's the biggest thing.
1: And would you even argue that there would probably be more participation amongst a wide variety of ethnicities because baseball developed faster and there was no division?
0: I say that would definitely happen. I think the fan bases look a little more diverse now if the color barrier had broken earlier. I I think that's a big thing as well.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's get into our woe and then an exclusive in-person interview from Johnny B. Folks, it's going to be a wild one. No breaks. Let's just jump right into it. Sweet. We only have one woe for this week. All right. I had to really dig deep for this one. Great job. Yes. So (laughs) why don't... I start. All right. Manny Machado signed a deal. Whoa. That's it. All right. All now right. we're just going to wait ahead. for Johnny B. So folks, hold on a second. Hey, scooch over. Hey, it's Johnny B in the house. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> All right. I Here's my question. And then I've been asking for months and months about an in-person interview. Will you yeah. give it to me today? Or Please. I won't come on again. You need not tell me now.
0: You got it, Johnny B. Right, Today, right. we've, we've scheduled some people. You know, David Price and Alex All Hall right, I don't care. I
1: don't care. Boys, it's Johnny B. I'm back. Thank you so much for all the well wishes. I was in the hospital this week. It was bad. I'm not going to tell you what happened, but it was bad. All I've been hearing this week is about this Manny Machado guy in this deal. What does he even play again? What position? I, I don't care. Well, guess what, folks? We never wanted him anyway. Yeah, he's a bum. Boo. All right, have fun in San Diego, playing in front of seven fans a game. That's right, I can count them on my fingers here, seven, seven fans. Heck, with $300 million, he could probably buy the Padres, absolutely. Anyways, I'm over it, I am. I only cried about it for about four hours, and then that was it, I'm fine. But Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper is definitely going to sign before the weekend is over, right? I mean, that's what I think i just kind to switch taxes there. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, why would anyone want to play in Philadelphia? It's just discount New York. It's discount New York, the greatest city in the world. Uncle Vito has already put two dimes down. Not two nickels, two dimes on this world th- winning the World Series this year. I'm going to put down five today. I went to one of those cash advance places on the corner mm-hmm. of 78th in the Bronx. Okay. And I gave him my paycheck. It was only $20. Yeah. And I said, put down five. And he did. So, there we go. Uh, Nate, why don't you ask me? Johnny B wants to get some questions. It's an interview. I've been hearing a lot of great interviews. I just want to know, why don't you interview me? What's been taking so long? (laughs) I Uber every day from the Bronx to Colorado Springs, and I get five minutes to air, and then that's it. And no one talks about me, and it's really upsetting.
0: Yeah, so I'll ask you a couple questions. Thank God. Johnny B. Uh, So, here's my first question for you. You know, is it rough being in the worst era of Yankee baseball? Because, you know, they were the great eras, but you haven't been around for all of them. And so, arguably, this is probably one of the worst eras for Yankee baseball. How does it feel that the Red Sox are a better yeah, I'm baseball gonna, team? I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going to stop you right there, okay? I just turned 63 last Tuesday, <laughs> so I've been around for all the eras. I've seen all the World Series championships. I've seen all the mistakes, okay? My cousin, my sixth cousin is Babe Ruth. Okay, so I have Yankee royalty in my blood. I already have 27 World Series rings on my counter. But to answer your question, it's been a little tough. You know what? There have been late nights when I've been sitting with my Urpal tea, and I've been crying because, frankly, Johnny B gets upset, and he switches accents because I can't maintain this. The air, so. <laughs> Hold
0: on. Oh, this is great. We should... This you is know, going
1: on the quotes
0: account. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if okay. inter collegiate broadcasting. Alright, he's back. An award. Okay,
1: Johnny, Johnny B's back. <laughs> I don't care about no awards. I know my Yankees have won twenty seven World Series titles. And know how I did twenty seven? Nine times three is twenty seven.
0: Hey, that's pretty good.
1: Ask me another question.
0: All right. So why don't you ask me
1: about my life? Ask me where I'm from. How many kids? How many people I grew up with? You Not know, just kinda... the shallow details of my life.
0: You know, uh, we you mentioned it about your paycheck only being $20. Where do you work, you know?
1: I'm an assistant to the archaeologist at the New York Metropolitan Museum of hey, Art.
0: Awesome. And
1: basically what I do is I study all the bones, and I say that looks like a leg bone, and I put it in the leg bone pile. Or that looks like an elbow, put it in the elbow bone pile. And I make sure that the intern who runs all of the archaeology parts in Metropolitan Museum of Art, is able to distribute all of the bones correctly. You know, sometimes there might be a leg that's an elbow, an elbow that's a leg, but I'm Johnny B. I make mistakes all the time. And I just say, whatever, they'll fix it. And that's why I only make twenty dollars.
0: Nice. So awesome. So do you have a wife, kids? What's the home life? Let look me like let me tell 70?
1: you. So I grew up in Buffalo. Buffalo, New York, Go Bills, Bill's Mafia, Jim <laughs> Kelly, huge fan. And I'll tell you about my home life. So I have 14 right. dogs. And two pet tigers. And they're all (laughs) named after various World Series MVPs that the Yankees have had, okay? One's even named Billy Martin. Ironically, Billy Martin is kind of the quieter one. And you see Billy Martin, and he's screaming, and he's yelling, and his wig's falling off because he's super mad. But (laughs) I named him, and I thought about it holistically for each one of the dogs. And I thought, well, Derek Jeter, I think it'd be a little brash if I named it Derek Jeter the 8th. Because then what about... From walking on, you know, West Eighty First yeah. Street with all my dogs, and Derek Jeter the Eighth runs out and gets hit by a taxi cab, then that's bad because I'll say Derek Jeter, and there will be seven <laughs> other dogs that will run after him, <laughs> so that's bad. As far as a wife and kids, got a beautiful wife, we've been married for forty five years. I have fourteen kids, same number as my dogs. I'm on to make them separate but equal, just make sure everything was okay. There we go. Do awesome. you have any other questions for me? The I don't Uber think... is waiting
0: outside. <laughs> we have one more. Uh, we're heading to New York City a we week are. from now. So Can I come with? <laughs> you just want to hang around here for the week and then take a Well, I Uber? have a
1: proposal for you. Okay. If I come with, I will give you my cousin Romano Fettuccino and he will be able to come do pizza reviews with you. And then my brother, Tony Tony the First, will come too.
0: You know, I think all that... Is great. I. Uh, you know, any sightseeing things that we can mm. look for. We definitely to. gotta
1: see the Statue of Liberty. All right. Why do I Okay. Folks, Johnny B. is kinda of slipping in and out here. We're making sure his accent's okay. Just needs to make sure he's hydrated. Yeah, yeah. If I were you, Nate, and I've been a loyal of the Bronx yes, Johnny for thirty five years. Oh
0: yeah. Even you know I promote
1: Well <laughs> potato potato, okay. We don't need to dig too much into that. Johnny B. Johnny B. always tells the truth. I would say I would go to the pizza spots because the New York Slice is some of the best pizza you will have in the world. Chicago Pizza, it's too deep, it's too thick. New York Slices, you could have 40 slices in a day and be good. Sightseeing-wise, I would definitely go Empire State Building. That's very fun to go see. Madison Square Garden, how close are you going to be to the
0: garden? Oh, uh, we're going to be across the street from the garden.
1: Okay, it's a little too close. Then you got to see something a little farther out. Make sure you get your walking boots on. Um, you go maybe go to a park and just go see the Hudson River. I think that would be really fun. I go to the Hudson River every day and I go fish just for bait, for tackle, for whatever comes my way. I just get a 14-pound piece of meat on my hook and I just go put it in there. You know, last week, Nate, yes, I actually sir. caught a 40-inch whale shark in the Hudson River. And it was fantastic oh. because I was, you know, I just put it out there and I was listening to my oh. Bob Dylan album okay. that I recently put on my iPod. Oh. And so I was putting it on there and I, and I felt this big tug. And it hurt because it hit my leg really hard. And it hurt. And so I was going, go, going, going. And I was like, this is a 40 pound whale shark. And so, you know, I put it on InstaFace or whatever these kids call it now. And I didn't get any likes, but I got a few comments. And the shark was really good. But, of course, I let it go. And I did name it Derek G e to the ninth, if you're asking. So, yeah, I that that's what I would go see. Hudson River, you could go fishing. I'll supply the angles. It's going to be great. New York, the greatest city in the world, the Big Apple. Although I don't eat fruits. So that's a different discussion.
0: Huh. Thank, thank you so much, Johnny B. You're All welcome. Right. It was fantastic having you in here. Uh, your uber just came up to the door and he really needs you to get going so i
1: can't leave i'm strapped in <laughs> oh you no, he's taking me away okay i'll call you see you later God, what why did you let him in
0: you know he i was gone us the for door.
1: five minutes and he comes in he's sitting in my seat especially when he said scooch
0: over you know, i was still here. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about okay, that. Okay, but let's Charlie. let's
1: kind of recap that interview. <laughs> let's just think about this. So if he lives in the Bronx, yeah, fourteen dogs and fourteen kids. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot. How does that work? I Especially, mean, he must have some sort of income so he can, like, help house these people. Or, or
0: yeah, what, maybe. What happens? Maybe he's homeless. What about
1: college? <laughs> what about college?
0: Fourteen kids, you know. What it's about dog so college? Like, college. Like, we're not thinking well, about that either. So That's a different discussion. Yeah. Doggy University. <laughs> okay.
1: All right, folks. I'm so sorry about that Johnny B interview. We have been requested for months and months by Johnny B, and he does give us questions every week. And so we just figured this would be the right way to honor him. And we'll see him out in New York, and we'll take a picture with him, and we will go to the Hudson River for Johnny B. <laughs> okay. Questions, and then we are going to wrap it up for today. Now, this came from anonymous, an anonymous Instagram account. Okay. Who is your favorite co-host Ooh. and why? I'll take my answer off the air. I think we should answer it on the
0: air. You know, because yeah, it's yes. anonymous. Well, we don't know who asked the question. If
1: my mom was listening, and I know she is, she would uh-huh. say me because yeah. she's my mom. Oh, that's and good. And she likes hearing from me. So, I would say... If, if it was Barb asking this and it wasn't, oh. she would say Charlie because Charlie is my favorite son. and Which is true. I'm her favorite son. Um, if it was Nate's mom asking the question, then she would say She would, would pick Charlie Nate. too, yeah. And <laughs> my mom just texted me and she is listening. Thank you, mom. Love you. Appreciate all the support. But if it, yes, to answer your question, if it was Nate's mom, Nate would be the favorite co-host. But I would say in impartial third party, we're both equal and we're both oh well-liked, and favorite the same.
0: That's beautiful. beautiful. Way wait, wait to bring it all together. Okay,
1: another question. Are the A's going to be good this year? Well, I think they will be pretty good. I mean, the, the Astros have definitely gotten a little weaker, losing Dallas Keuchel and Charlie Morton. That's yep. for sure. I mean, those are two big pieces that led them to their World Series run in 2017. Correa did not have a great year last year, even though he did win his arbitration case. Julio... Altuve seems to be as consistent as ever, seems to be performing exceptionally. But going back to the A's, they do have some young pieces. Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Blake Trennan, um, Fernando Rodney, obviously closer there who played with the you know Twins, D-backs, and Mariners. So he has ties all over the place. But I say the A's are going to be good, Nate. I think they'll get a wild card spot. I wouldn't be surprised if they contend for the AL West. I don't think they'll win, but they'll contend.
0: Yeah, I think they'll be pretty good. They did lose future MVP, Kyler Murray. Uh, to the NFL. Which we,
1: yes. Yeah.
0: That, that's how a- A's fans viewed it. I think that's how the organization viewed it. I don't think that was actually going to happen, but I think they're a little down in the dumps here, but I think they're going to have a strong year. They were pretty good last year. I think they'll be just as strong this year. Absolutely.
1: All right, we'll get to our next point here. This is from my good friend, Dan, and he asked, how long do you think Machado stays in San Diego? Over under three and a half years. Um, I'll take I'll take the over on that. I'm actually going to be a little optimistic. I'll say three and a half to four years. I don't think he stays below that because I think he'll still want some time to kind of test yeah. it out. I say let's give him four years. He'll probably go a year before the opt-out, probably cause a whole ruse year five, so much drama, and then they'll just trade him because they're so sick of him.
0: Yeah, I. same answer, ditto.
1: Yep. Uh, <laughs> another... Another question. Will Miguel Sano ever be healthy again? Ever. Now, for those of you who missed it, Miguel Sano cut the heel of his leg because he was actually celebrating his championship with the Dominican Winter League, which a lot of Players of Dominican descent, and a lot of players who just want good off season experience, that go down and play in the Dominican. Yeah. So he was celebrating his World Series, or his not his World Series title, his Dominican title, and he was up on in the parade, and one of his teammates accidentally ran into him with a metal plate or a metal grate, and he <laughs> actually had twelve stitches on his heel, so he'll be out for about a week. Um, Miguel Sanoa has been battling a ton of injuries, and frankly, a lot of it's been due to his weight. But this season, he cut down a lot of his weight, put on some muscle, and looks good, which prompted to the Thad Levine quote about hugging him and touching every muscle group in his body. And I'm not making that up, and that's what Thad Levine, our GM, said. So we'll see about that. But um, Miguel Sanoa eventually will be healthy. I don't know if he'll be able to play a full season. We'll see. So, yeah. Nate, why not been kind of hogging the past couple questions why don't you take the last four
0: all right last four here we go Uh, what is your favorite MLB stadium and why so this is an easy answer for me obviously it's Fenway Park Fenway Park I love Fenway Park there's just a different atmosphere and maybe it's because I'm a Red Sox fan but I've heard from others who are not Red Sox fans and how they feel when they walk into Fenway Park it's so much different than every other stadium and I got a similar feeling when I visited Wrigley Park. I think they both have that same feel. of. There's so much history. So much happened there. And it's just a beautiful place. I love everything about it. I haven't had a chance to sit in the monster seats during the game. I visited, you know, taking a tour of the stadium, different things like that. But it is a gorgeous stadium. I love being there. It feels like a second home. If I could get married there, I probably would. But yeah. What about you? (laughs)
1: Um, My favorite Major League Baseball stadium, I'm going to just exclude it, Nate, to the ones I've actually been to. Okay. I'm going to say Wrigley Field. I mean, that's classic. You know, the Wrigley town's kind of built in. I mean, if you've ever been to Wrigley Field, and you know, okay, the stadium's great, but before it's renovated, it was even nicer. Uh, Frankly, because of the charm and just the way you know Wrigley Field was and still maintaining the same structure as it was 100 years ago. But then if you look outside of Wrigley Field, there's all these really nice apartments. And I can't imagine how expensive those apartments would be. But just living in Wrigley Town and you wake up, oh, I can go to a baseball game today because my apartment's 500 feet down the road. Like, that'd be really fun. But Wrigley Field, I would say, is my favorite Major League Baseball stadium. Target Field is great, too, just because I've been there so many times. But uh, Wrigley Field, my favorite.
0: Yeah, I I loved going there. I got to watch... It was both back when both the Cubs and the Astros were very bad teams. Mm-hmm. I got to watch a 10 inning game there where uh, Starling Castro hit a uh, walk-off hit. So it yeah. was a pretty fun experience being there at, at a win as well. So And
1: before Nate introduced these last three questions, these are from my mother. So shout out, Barb. Thank you for listening and sending in these questions. Nate, why don't you take away first of the
0: three? Okay. Uh, what do you think of the new younger Twins manager? And where is Paul Moulter?
1: So the new younger twins manager for though Know is Rocco Baldelli, and so he played some time with the Tampa Bay Double Rays, who are now the Tampa Bay Rays. But he was a utility guy, played some outfield, played some infield. He'll be a newer analytics view. I don't think Paul Molitor was an analytic, analytical thinker. Yeah. Because a little bit more of an old school guy with the Twins bringing in a younger, new school guy he'll be able to kind of view the statistics differently and maybe format the lineups differently which might result in a few more wins. Yeah. I also think it helps Jason Castro's back this year. Mitch Garver did an excellent job filling the catcher role last year so we'll have a three-way t- we'll have a three-way competition for the catcher's role with Jason Castro, Mitch Garver and Williams Astudillo. So those are that's going to be tightly contested. So I think Baldelli will have pieces to compete with. He'll have a lot of players to kind of bring up off the bench and new starting lineups to build every day. And so we'll see. And I think it also helps that Joe, not that Joe Maurer was bad last year, but just to introduce some new pieces to bring up. so. Awesome. And Paul Molitor, frankly, I think he lives in the Minnesota area still. I don't know what he's doing. (laughs) He probably will be like a special assistant to the Twins or maybe just do something in baseball, do some analysis or something like that.
0: Yep. All right, Charlie, what do you think of the Twins signing Kepler to an extension?
1: I like it. They also signed Jorge Polanco to an extension as well, both five-year deals. Kepler to an extension is good. I like him. I mean, he has his times with the offense, but defensively, he's a strong right fielder. Um, I think having Robbie Grossman gone this year will actually help him because it'll give him more playing time. But Kepler signing to an extension is good. I think he could have commanded probably a triple-digit, free agency deal just because of his play and kind of, you know, his age and how rare a true red fielder is now these days. So we'll see. I think Kepler for sure. Good move on the extension part. Polanco. I don't know about Polanco as much. I guess we'll see coming up. And this last question is not baseball related at all, but it is a other sports question. And if we've learned anything about today, doesn't need just to be baseball after a wild
0: Johnny B interview. Yes. And, folks, yes,
1: I am advertising this interview, and I would definitely go back and listen to it.
0: (laughs) Wild ride. Uh, What are your thoughts on Matt Kuchar only paying the fill-in caddy $5,000? So this has
1: been kind of controversial. This happened a week ago. Matt Kuchar won a golf tournament worth $1.3 million. And, Nate, this is how it works to pay a caddy. Typically, you tip a caddy 10% of your earnings. Yep. Now, since it was a fill-in caddy, the rules can be different, but a stand-in caddy, it would be about 10%. So 1.3 million, 10% of that would be $130,000. So that would be typical for what a caddy would make during that event. However, for some reason or another, the caddy was gone. So there was a fill-in caddy, and they agreed on it was like $50,000 or something like that. So Matt Kuchar won the tournament, and he only paid the caddy $5,000, which I think is just unacceptable because you have $1.3 million. And frankly, it comes off as insensitive when you only pay someone $5,000 after you've made $1.3 million. And surely the $1.3 million is not the only career earnings he has made. So if he makes 50, you know, if he pays him 50 or 100,000, that's not a big deal. That can be done. Yeah. Frankly, Matt Kuchar could have done better. I think this ruined his reputation and his brand as being a solid, good guy and a golfer who cares about you know others. And frankly, this just tarnished it. Even though the system was resolved, this will be priceless and the bad press will be horrible.
0: Yeah, I agree 100% with that. I think he should have done more. Even if you feel like Absolutely. that caddy didn't help you as much as your normal caddy. Like, do the right thing. And a lot of caddies do believe that a lot of caddies were tweeting about this and saying he's just been the nicest to me, but they've never just worked so out him. of character. Yeah, and it's weird. I, I don't know what exactly the thought process on all that exactly was. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see if maybe rules change because of this.
1: I, I don't understand the benefit of that. Certainly, it sours the caddy's reputation of ever working with Matt Kuchar again, oh, and yeah. I'm sure word spreads throughout yep. all of the caddies oh, yeah. saying, "Oh, this Matt Kuchar guy is kind of a jerk. He he only gave yeah. me five thousand to that guy." And yep, we'll see. I agree. All right, so that was a good show today. I yeah. certainly say it was probably one of our wild shows, <laughs> and definitely you know every show with us is wild because yeah. we're just wild. And my sister just texted me and said. She high-fived Matt Kuchar at the Ryder Cup. So, Ooh,
0: we'll, hey, that's a pretty good. I mean, that. Yeah. yes,
1: but we'll talk about that off the air. <laughs> uh, next week, New York, the Big Apple. We'll yep. be there. It's going to be great. Uh, we'll probably won't have time to fill a full episode, so Nate and I will probably talk about what we want to do. Maybe we'll, we'll vlog from DIA, and maybe we'll talk about Denver Airport conspiracy theories because we will have some time. Maybe we'll do something in New York, but we'll definitely be filming and or Instagram living on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. have a lot of time. If you guys missed it, we do have an Instagram now. And Nate checks the Instagram every day. And for those loyal Instagram followers, I just checked it and we have 76 followers. So we're doing pretty good. But let me plug this quick. We are at R-I-S-P-U-C-C-S. At R-I-S-P-U-C-C-S. And Nate, I'm going to make a little challenge here. All right. If we get to 100 followers by what what do you say it'd be 100 followers we're at 76 now what do you think three weeks a month three weeks okay so let's say by march 14th if we're at 100 followers we'll do a giveaway we'll give away some sort of baseball memorabilia provided by nate and charlie we'll figure figure what that out Sweet. figure what it is when it comes but we'll just figure it out from there The point of our Instagram account is we give a lot of exclusive content that you won't find on the Twitter account, a lot of videos and, you know, in the moment, things that we would be able to give you guys. And here's another account that's not affiliated with the show, but if you want to, you know, have some fun and just kind of relax, it's a good account to follow too. It's at quotes, R-I-S-P, at quotes, R-I-S-P. It's essentially a good friend of mine, Greta, and she is able to compile all the funny quotes from the show. (laughs) and she puts them in a Twitter account. However, there are a lot of funny quotes in this, so you will see a lot of tweets, but it is a fun account to follow and just kind of keep up with what we're doing. And, of course, my mom just texted me and said, she has some signed baseballs at home I could donate. Mom, those are mine. We'll talk about those (laughs) later. But New York content next week It's going to be great. I can't believe it's only a week away. I Not to kind of go prolong this but I remember what I was doing when Nate texted me and said we got nominated (laughs) it was kind of a bittersweet moment because initially we didn't get nominated for what was it best sports interview we didn't get nominated for that and frankly Nate and I thought that would be the one because we had really strong content with Max who we might see next week in New York and it was really good and frankly I was really disappointed we didn't get nominated because I thought wow I thought ours was really good but it didn't work out and I thought, okay, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And so I was actually getting ready for work. It was some random Wednesday. It was like the week before Christmas. And Nate just texts me and he's like, we got nominated for best podcast. And so I, I was in shock and I'm still in shock because this is frankly a once in a lifetime opportunity and I'm excited to go and excited to be there. But we'll see you guys next week. It's going to be a great, great time in New York. We'll recap it. Probably won't be as baseball heavy next week. We'll probably talk about New York for most yeah. of the time. And yes, Romano Fettuccino will be doing pizza reviews <laughs> off the RISP UCCs Instagram account. Make sure to follow that. We'll be posting stuff on the Twitter account, but Instagram mostly. Thank you for all the support and see you next time.
0: See you next time.